welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast, boys and girls from Umeå in the north to Malmo, way down south. This is the podcast for the Irish community in Sweden. My name is Philip O'Connor, and I am in the capital city of Stockholm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the night before Christmas as I'm recording the intro because this weekend our uh, Stockholm Gales Camogues are off to the Hague, and alongside them will be the Viking Gales hurlers, all the lads from all the various different clubs in the region and they're all going down there to get the old hurdles and the schlithers out and to go down there and represent us and it's one of those I haven't looked forward to a hurling tournament camogie tournament in Europe this much for such a long time because um the Viking Gales uh, got an awful lot of very good press for their lovely jerseys but they didn't get half enough press for their brilliant results with the likes of Owen Sheedy and Declan Graham and all the boys I think um, who else was there Niall and Paul Curley and a few of the lads down in Gothenburg were involved and then of course the Malma boys were involved there as well and uh, it kind of went off the ball there for a little while but John Carroll down in Malmo kept the fires burning and now they're heading back down there again and I cannot wait to see what's going to happen this weekend with Michelle Cotter and the Stockholm Camogues who are started yes less than a year ago probably training really only this spring and summer so uh, they're, and they're having their very first tournament so the expectations are a little bit different See, the Viking Gales hurling lads they should be able to hold their own the girls are going down there and God only knows what will happen very few of them have played before so it's going to be a baptism of fire for them so we have booked a call boys and girls at 9.30 on Sunday morning I am going to be speaking to them and I will get it hot off the presses I've asked uh, Tara O'Neill as well she might uh, record a few bits and pieces as we go along now in my estimation that's a bad thing for me to do right because I've tried to do the same thing myself when I'm playing in tournaments and try to record the voices around the tournament at the same time and it often doesn't work right because there's the stress of just concentrating on your games and doing your thing and then you forget and you kind of don't have something that's representative of the day and that so she might come back with something that's absolutely brilliant she might come back with nothing at all and uh, either way we will have a podcast for you this week because we have booked that call anyway on Sunday morning to go through absolutely everything before we bring you what happened in the Hurdling and the camogie over the weekend. Let us do a little bit of housekeeping because a few things have happened in the Irish community that I think you should know about because I get so many questions on Instagram about them that uh, it's probably worth dealing with, right? And the first one is that the wonderful Claire O'Halloran you may remember a couple of months ago there just before the summer we went and visited Claire at her restaurant in Neony which is on Souther there and uh, somebody asked me the other day about how things were going there because they went to book a table and they couldn't and you know we've done a great job of hyping it up myself and Zach Elbozadi tried the food there it was magnificent I could understand why you would all want to go there but unfortunately now you can't well you can if you want but it is no longer in E&E and Claire O'Halloran much like Elvis has left the building now I sent a message to Claire and I said how are you getting on is everything alright and she said yeah everything was good um, she's looking forward to her next challenge she decided together with the owners and the partners in the business and the people that she was working with that they were having a hard time getting chefs in and that kind of thing she's ended up having to do an awful lot of work herself wasn't really working it out and she kind of felt that you know as it was her concept and her name over the door and that kind of thing she felt she wasn't able to deliver and as often happens in restaurants they open and close all the time they thanked each other for a brilliant cooperation and it really was a tremendous restaurant and now they're going to move on to different things so Inni has become Vinny with Vin being the Swedish word for wine and as far as I can work out it's operating sort of as a wine bar now for the time being until they work out what they are going to do with the menu still worth going down there because the people that she was in business with and involved with there are lovely people as is Claire herself 
And no doubt a lot of yous will be listening now and the likes of Liam Ginnan out beyond and thinking, I have a restaurant, I wouldn't mind getting that young one in. Take, calm it, lads, calm it. She's having a bit of a break now, a bit of an old holiday, uh, settling down a little bit. There are offers coming in, she tells me, and she will let us know as soon as she is back in the kitchen somewhere other than in her apartment where she's relaxing at the moment. She'll let us know and we'll go and visit her again and you'll have the chance to taste her wonderful cooking. So, a great success story. Like many stars in the business, it burned briefly but brightly and it was great to go down there and to be a part of that. And I'm very much looking forward to what Claire is going to do in the future because, as I say, such an exceptionally talented person and a real uh, bringer of energy and joy in any kitchen, any restaurants. It's going to be great to see what she does next. More news in the community this week comes from the belled Brian O'Connor. Now, we're not brothers, but I wouldn't mind claiming the man as a brother. A tremendous musician from County Limerick. Brian has been over here uh, an awful long time. I think the first time I actually met Brian, I was only reminded of this story there a little while ago. I'd only just moved over here and I met himself and John Higgins and a couple of other lads in somewhere in town. I think it was around where the, where the old Dubliner pub used to be, which was down around uh, Normam's Toy there, if I'm not mistaken. And Brian <laughs> was absolutely disgusted because he'd been asked for his ID at the local system below it, you know, so uh, he wasn't too happy with that at all. But uh, that's how youthful we all looked back in the day. We don't have that problem anymore, but uh, Brian, of course, being a brilliant musician back then and an even more brilliant musician now, we had him on before talking about his band Armadillo King where he plays guitar and that we featured one of their tracks on there but he's doing a few gigs lads now pay attention right Brian is getting together with Dave Keery you might know the name Dave Keery if you're a music fan if you know the music of Van Morrison you'll definitely know the name Dave Keery right Dave has played with Van on and off for many many years and he's coming over here to team up with Brian and there's a few dates here for your calendar right get your pen and paper out get your, your iPhone in your hand your Samsung wiggly wiggly thing that you use to write on your tablet or your phone with I'm going to give you the dates now right September the 20th the Liffey Cellar in Gamlaston at 8 o'clock the Liffey Cellar not the Liffey Bar itself not upstairs that'll be somebody else the Liffey Cellar in Gamlaston where uh, Aslan played back in the day at 8 o'clock on September the 21st the day after that Jacob's Bar in Yorkers Bay at half past 7 Jacob's Bar in Yorkers Bay at half past 7 that's a good one for me because it's out my side of town that's on September September the 21st and then last but not least if you're south of town September the 22nd Niels Oscar Brewery in Neeshopping Niels Oscar Brewery in Neeshopping at half past seven now the thing if you have never seen Brian O'Connor live right A you should be ashamed of yourself and I don't care if you've only come over here in the last week or so it's just one of those things that everybody should do instantaneously when they come over Brian is such an amazingly talented and knowledgeable musician and if you go to see him he will play hits and he'll play songs that you know but he'll also pull songs out of his backside that you didn't know you loved them until you hear him playing them and there's all sorts of stuff from John Prine and from Steve Earle and from you wouldn't believe the kind of things that Brian can pull out and you know with the greatest troubadours the greatest entertainers that you'll find they don't play what you want to hear all the time right because those fellas are to a penny and you get country roads and proud Mary and all that kind of thing when you're having a few points the greatest of those troubadours play the thing you never realize you want to hear but by God, are you ever enjoying it when he plays it? And that's what's absolutely brilliant about Brian because he has his finger on the pulse. He looks around the room and, you know, he has the self-respect to say, well, look, you know, maybe I don't want to play an Irish tune now or maybe I don't want to play, maybe I want to play a sort of an alt-country song and he brings it out. But he's just such a tremendous guitar player and such a brilliant singer and really soulful sort of a character as well. And playing alongside Dave Keery, 
who has so much experience playing with Van Morrison. I'm hoping to have a chance to chat to Dave. Now, he may be limited in what he can say about Van Morrison, but he can certainly tell us about life on the road and the places he's been to and the gigs that he's played. So let's uh, hopefully do that round about the middle to the end of September when he gets over here. The 20th, the 21st and the 22nd, the Liffey Cellar Bar in Gamblaston, Jakob's Bar in Yorkers Bay and the Niels Oscar Brewery in New Shopping on those dates. Get yourself along there. Look up Brian on Facebook. Look up the Instagram pages of those pubs and find out because these will be absolutely unmissable gigs. So if uh, music is your thing, get involved with that. This is, as I mentioned, a community-supported podcast. It only exists because you do. And it exists with the support of the brilliant Veerstrom's Pub and Martin Hessian there. Martin's a fantastic guy altogether. We were, uh, I remember back to the pandemic now when everybody in the world was struggling and bars had to close at 8 o'clock and you couldn't drink at the bar and all that kind of thing. And I was actually down there filming for, uh, was it ITV or Channel 4? Jeez, I can't remember now. I think I might have done something for Reuters down there as well because uh, we didn't lock down. But it was obviously a difficult time for Martin there. He ended up having to let a, a lot of his casual staff go. And for many businesses, it was touch and go at the time. And the amazing thing about Martin is, if you look at this cost of living thing that is going on at the moment, we talk about the prices going up and that kind of thing. Uh, Martin, as soon as he started to take in a few bob again, was straight back to sponsor things like this podcast, like the soccer teams, like the Stockholm Gales, like the Stockholm Commodes. Uh, he's getting involved there and uh, as always putting his money where, he mouth, uh, where his mouth is. So a brilliant, brilliant man altogether for supporting his community and that's why he deserves our support, right? The Rugby World Cup is starting next Saturday. Get on to them. Tell them how many of them you are. Go down there, have the fish and chips, have the bangers and man, have whatever it is that's on the menu there. There's always a few guest craft beers down there. But book your table, lads, right? Because Martin loves you as, as he loves his own sons and daughters and family and all the people back in Galway where he's from, right? But he's not a magician. So don't just turn up there and say, ah, oh, Jesus, Martin, I thought there'd be a table for me for the Rugby World Cup. Get your bookings in as early as possible and he'll put you under the tellies there in the Veerstrom's pub and you'll be able to enjoy Ireland's inevitable winning of the Rugby World Cup in the company of Martin Hessian and the great people down at Veerstrom's pub. There's also support from the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden to whom I am eternally grateful and they will be awakening from their summer slumber very shortly no doubt. Uh, there's going to be a gala dinner I'm sure later on in the year. They'll be starting the business breakfast that have been happening on Thursday mornings here in Stockholm. Uh, so we'll be getting them back on the podcast and I'm hoping at some point I've been talking to, to Anthony Morrissey down below in Gothenburg about doing a couple of maybe live events with them with a more sort of business focus so maybe we might even broadcast those podcasts live and then of course we put them up on the feed there as well they were very generous and made a contribution last year to the podcast to keep the show going if you want to make a contribution to the podcast patreon.com forward slash man in stockholm that's patreon.com forward slash Arrowman in Stockholm. A five a month. Uh, there's this podcast, the Global Gale podcast, the Arrowman in Stockholm podcast, which last week featured Özniel, who's a, a Swedish Kurdish comedian, talking about how he fle- he and his family fled from Turkey in 1983 and came to Sweden to seek refuge. And then we talked about the Kurds and NATO and Sweden and all those things. Fascinating conversation and well worth listening to if you have any questions around why people leave places like that. Uh, so that's patreon.com forward slash Arrowman in Stockholm. And you can also swish a few bob to one. One two three two four two four one six six one two three two four two four one six six, and in doing that, all the VAT is paid. The accountant gets hold of it. She makes sure all the taxes are paid, and basically, Yulia she keeps me in her prison. Wonderful woman altogether, lads. That's enough of me waffling. You just want to know how the hurling and the camogie went, and I can't wait either. So let's bring you the conversation that I had now with Brendan from the Viking Gales. Brendan lives down below in Copenhagen, and not least our own, the wonderful, the magnificent the majestic michelle cotter talking about what happened in the hague this weekend i wonder how it went
Brendan's set the scene for me this Sunday morning. Whereabouts are you at the moment, my friend? I'm sitting out the back of uh, the Stay OK Hostel uh, in the middle of Den Haag. And um, I'm probably one of the first risers. The boys are slowly getting up, uh, dribs and drabs this morning. Indeed. But, and uh, I see Mich- Michelle has just joined us on the Zoom here now. She'll, she'll be with us in a second there. So um, the one thing I'm noticing, because obviously there's a bit of a video call on Sunday morning to go through what happened in the Hague yesterday. You've no bruises. You've no broken bones. So what happened? Were you playing at all, Brent? Were you? I, I did a small bit, yeah. did a small bit. <laughs> <laughs> How did it go for you? Do you know what? We did very well. Very well all together. Sorry, there's a train pack, uh, passing there in the background. But, Don't um, worry about them. It's, uh, the sound is grand. You did very well anyway. Who did you just end up playing against? What was, who was the first game against? The first game, it was against Hamburg. Um, we won that, I think, 121 to 6 points or something like that. That's a fair um, old score now because those games are, what, 20, 25 minutes-ish, are they? They were 15 minutes a half. 15 minutes a half in this case. And then uh, the final in this case was actually 12 and a half. Uh, they shortened it a bit because bodies were sore and things like that. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, so 15 and a half. So, so Hamburg put to the sword pretty much instantaneously. Who was up after that then? After that, you had um, Belgium's A team. So Belgium brought two teams to the tournament. Um, and we played Belgium's first team in our second game, we'll say. Um, and we beat them 12 points to six. That's amazing altogether because Belgium, as you say, they tend to send two teams. They tend to be very, very good players, and they have yeah. a sort of a hurling tradition that we don't, we can't really claim in the Nordic region. So beating them by twelve points to six was a fair old scalp altogether. Uh, were you able to keep that up then? Who was up next in your group games? So that was it, and then after that, we had a nice break for lunch. Um, the Hague put on a lovely spread there for lunch, so they did, and uh, then we we uh, had um, a combination of Amsterdam, and they borrowed a couple of players from uh, Paris Gales in in the semi final. Yep. So, and was that a case of sort of grabbing, you know, the best players in the place and seeing if they could get themselves into the final, or how did that work? Uh, it, it was kind of a funny one because I suppose we've been giving them players for the morning, a couple of our lads. Because to be fair, we travelled well. I think we brought fifteen players with us this time, which is fantastic, you know. Yeah. But uh, I think through the day, because Amsterdam are on the other side of the draw to us, uh, they came looking for players off us, and we gave them a few lads. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think they took they took a handful of players from, from Paris Gales for the semi final in it. That uh, you know that uh, it started in nicely there. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, we beat them then in the, in the semi-final by, I can't remember the score rightly, but I think maybe maybe four or five points in the end or something like that. You know, not, not, nothing major, like, but a good battle, like that, good battle. So it was fairly comfortable. Hang on a second there now, because we don't want to be doing the big reveal about the final just yet. We have Michelle Cotter, uh, who has joined us now, and she's sitting somewhere. She looks like she's locked in a cupboard, which I don't know if she was arrested last night or what happened to her. Michelle, <laughs> how are you keeping this morning? I'm not too bad. I'm actually in a weird kind of a cinema room of the hostel that we're staying in. So uh, trying to find somewhere quiet this morning was a bit of a challenge. I, I can imagine. But you're probably only on your way home from the nightclub after celebrating your great day yesterday, are you? Oh, listen, I'm not going to sell anybody out now and start telling you all, all of the trade secrets. But uh, yeah, it was a late enough one, I won't lie. Yeah, what happens on tour stays on tour. That's the best yeah. way to do it. But <laughs> what you do have to share with us is, is what happens on the pitch. You left uh, Stockholm. The girls left Stockholm there on Friday evening. Was it easy enough to get to The Hague? Are you staying in The Hague or did you stay in Amsterdam? 
so I mean Stockholm can be a little bit of a tricky place to get to and from as you well know um so what we did was we flew on three separate flights to Amsterdam and the last flight getting in arrived around midnight so we kind of figured look we wanted to go wherever as a team and it was probably too late to go to the Hague at that stage so we just checked into a hostel close enough to the train station for the night um and then all got up bright and early and got the half seven train to the Hague on Saturday morning and straight to the pitches, bags and all. And then after all the matches were played yesterday, we came to a hostel in the centre of the Hague. There you go. So yourself and Brendan, I doubt you're sitting in exactly the same hostel, but you're probably not too far away from where uh, you are. Brendan has just taken us through his group games yesterday. Um, What was it like for you, Michelle? Because the Viking Gales who travel down there, very experienced hurlers, probably 15 of them going down there. You were kind of the other end of the scale. First time Mm -hmm. that you were going down there as a team and many of the girls hadn't even played before. So what was the, the nerves like before the first game that you played yesterday? I think, honestly, I just think we were so bloody excited. Um, You could have bottled it yesterday. Like, it was unbelievable. Um, We played two games in, I suppose, our history of existence, which is about a year. Um, And both games were mixed matches, as you know, uh, with men on both sides. And we split our own team. So we never played uh, any match with any other Kamogi player like any female on the pitch other than ourselves. So we're just so excited to see what that actually looked and felt like. Um, And right before, I suppose, the throw-in of the first game, the nerves were at an all-time high. Um, And then as soon as we got stuck in, it really felt, it felt like a more fair game. Um, And also the fact that we were playing as a team, like everybody that you knew on that pitch was on your side so you could pass the ball. Um, which threw us a little bit in Yavlo when we played last weekend and I kept passing off to the wrong team because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, and yeah, God, it was fantastic. As soon as we got stuck in, you could just see everybody just really lean into the game. Uh, and that was it for the rest of the day. We were just raring to go. Yeah. Who was the first team that you met down there? Because a lot of those teams would have a history that we don't really have in the, in this region, you know? Yeah, for the Komoki teams, um, other than The Hague and uh, Belgium, they were very mixed. So you'd have twos and ones and threes that have kind of uh, come together to make a team from like Eindhoven and there was a girl from Tilburg and somebody from Berlin, actually two from Berlin, um, Vienna. But the first team that we played were under the name of uh, Munich. Um, and I have to say their kit is lovely. Um, bright blue and bright pink on the side. So pink socks. Fantastic. Style points coming from them. What was the play <laughs> itself like, Michelle? Because uh, as you mentioned there, the only two games that you played really, one was a mixed game here in Stockholm and one was a game that I think Brendan played in last weekend uh, above at Yavla there, right? So it's difficult then to get a sort of a feel for, you know, what the other players do. Oh, this is Tara O'Neill. She likes to hit off that side. She likes to mm-hmm. catch with that hand, you know. Was it very quick? Did you manage to organise yourselves at all or was it a little bit chaotic? Uh, the first half was very much learning in action. And I'll just say that kind of you could tell that people were starting to kind of clock all of the things that we've been doing and training over and over again. The skills were starting to kind of, you know, the cobwebs were being dusted off. But it was the first half was kind of just everybody doing anything they could. And there was a lot of moving on the pitch, which was great. Like nobody was reluctant to get stuck in. But you could tell that we were new. Um I, I'll say though that the game was, if anything, it was more challenging than the men's games that we've played. And I think, you know, credit to the men that togged out and gave us both matches in Stockholm and in Yavla, that they were friendly with kind of letting us win the ball and they were passing to their players. 
there was none of that from the other side yesterday. <laughs> you know, like they wanted to win, they wanted to score points and goals. So we were kind of, you know, really challenged and uh, and loved it. Mm. Brendan, when you look at the the hurling aspect of it, right? Because it's one of those things that we're playing in the, in a, on a European in a European context here, right? At home, if you were playing, you'd have senior, you'd have intermediate, you'd have junior. What was the general standard of play like among the men yesterday? Did you have sort of you know very very good almost inter county hurlers, and did you have sort of complete beginners from you know Germans and French people playing, or what was it like? The um, so the cup competition that we played in, like in, in my opinion, uh, it's a strong, at least in Cork, at least is a strong intermediate uh, standard. I would say, which is a good good standard of hurling, like you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but like that said, it, there's no fella in any of those teams really with uh, a lack of experience. Every fella has a lot of it played. I would say. Um. Albeit we won that actually with us. Uh, his name is Paddy. Paddy. He was over in Yavla last weekend actually, but uh, he's only taken up hurling in the last couple of years and. He's enjoying every minute of it. Like he's coming along. Every time he picks up the hurley, he's coming along very well. Like you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like most teams, they're like Belgium, Amsterdam, uh, Luxembourg. They're all stacked with lads that yes, some some fellas do have county experience. You know, from Limerick and from Wexford and these places. Like so, it's it's a very very good standard. I would say. I think it, it would surprise people to to see it. You know, from outside the, outside of Europe. You know, it certainly surprised me when I came here first. I was saying, you know, this is a this is a decent decent standard here. Like. Yeah. With the, with the likes of Paddy now, would he have been a hurling fan? Would he have watched the game? Like, so he'd have a fair idea of what, at least what happens in the game rather than, you know, some of the girls maybe on the, on the Stockholm Gales team maybe have never seen a game of Camogie before. Like, so would Paddy have had an idea before he got stuck in what he was getting into? He would. He would have done. He was a big fan of the sport itself until he came, you know, he, he never got a chance to play it really uh, until he came to Copenhagen and he met a few of us that are kind of fairly enthusiastic about it, you know, but... uh He's hooked. No, he can't. He can't get enough of it. <laughs> Brilliant, Michelle. Yeah. You mentioned Munich was the first team that you met there. Um, do, do we want to talk about results, or do we just want to go on to show what the games were? Because, like you know, <laughs> no, it's often the way, and I and I mean that with the, the best will in the world, right? Sometimes when you get in there, first you find yourself conceding points and goals. We've all done it in football in Hurling because we find ourselves at a level that just confuses us to begin with, like you know. So, well, I, did you, I think our first point was scored in that game? Was it? <laughs> it was. It was, and I'll say, you know. So, uh, and I'm not taking the pace, but we were the happiest losers on that pitch yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we really were. You know, we had we had women coming up to us, well, and men actually, all day long that were saying, "Oh, we follow you on Instagram," or you know, we heard you were coming and all of this. And when we were leaving the pitches and heading back to check into our hostel, we had two or three people stop us and say, "Can we join your team?" And they were talking from teams that had beaten us. So the fact that you'd want to join the losing team is a rarity, I'd say. But it's a testament to kind of the team spirit that we brought to the pitches yesterday. We didn't go with the intention that we'd win the whole thing. Now, I won't lie. I think my ego started to get the better of me and a competitive edge came out. And I thought, Jesus, if we won a match. But no, we didn't win any of the four. And to be fair, it would have been next to impossible to beat out teams that have been playing matches, have had a Camogie team established in their clubs for, for years and years. Uh, so for the first time togging out against Camogie players to, to have won, you know, would really have been too far a stretch. Um, but we did score and we scored on the team. And that was actually, and, and I no word of a lie, our intention yesterday, and we talked when we were on the train from Amsterdam, it was about 45 minutes. We kind of talked about, how do we stay positive even when we're losing, right? We're going to play, let's say, four matches and we're going to be in the eighth half of the day and we could have lost, oh, you know, all seven halves <clears throat> and it can get to you, you know, um, and you can kind of feel down and, you know, why am I playing better or 
it's all my fault. And every single individual will be thinking, you know, it's all my fault or that ball that I fumbled or that pass that I that I, you know, didn't make or or whatever it is. And so we talked about it and we said, look, like we're going in the knowledge that we will most likely lose every game. But if we get on the board, that was our one explicit goal to say, if we just got a score under our belt. Uh, I won't say there were many others that came after it, but we did get on the board. So we achieved our goal yesterday, uh, or both of them. The first one was to try and score on the team in any capacity. Um, and the second one was just to stay and remain positive um, and just happy that we were there all day long. And that I can say we definitely did. I, I need you to describe the score for me in your best sports journalist manner, right? I need you to take me through that score. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Gail. I feel like I I, I just think of that Mihal Omar Hurtig line when he goes, uh, what is it? His mother was from Fiji and his father from Fermanagh, neither a hurling stronghold. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was actually myself that scored the point. Um, and I can't remember it, to be honest. It was a bit of a blur. Um, nothing wild or wonderful, you know, it wasn't from our own goal line and travelled the length and breadth of the pitch. Um, it was very much just, it had been played up the field well by uh, our side, a good pass into my hand and I was close enough to pop it over the bar and that was it. Um, I had a couple more cracks at uh, taking shots, but you can really see, like I haven't played in, I think, 10 years, which you know, Um but you can see that we've been training without goalposts. We've been using little bollards and cones and really practicing the ground play and the skills, which is great. But aiming at at, uh, at goal was was way off for me anyway. Um, so at least we know what we need to work on. So There you go. We'll be down in Scarpnick now in the middle of the week and we'll be firing <laughs> at the rugby post. Brenda, in your experience, right, because you've been around here now for a little while, um, we've seen the trainers down in Copenhagen where fellas are getting a train across from Malmö. You've no idea who these lads are, right? A fella turns up from Yavla, another boy from Stockholm, and uh, Des, who used to play for Oslo, and God only knows where Des trainers live now. Like, how do you put them together into a team? Do, do you say, right, my name is Brendan, I play goalkeeper, I play cornerback, I play corner forward, and work it out from there. How do you get to know lads so that you can play, you know, a sort of a consistent quality of hurling? just over the course of the day yeah it, it is a challenge like because I suppose yesterday we had uh, you know lads from Oslo with a few from Yavla like you know uh, Key Commons and a few of the boys in Paddy Cook above and then we had a, a contingent from Malmo and a few more from Copenhagen so I guess when we train together in Copenhagen uh, you kind of know the fellas you have you know who plays where you, you kind of know a lot about guys um, I suppose what we're trying to do is place guys in Yavla place guys in Oslo you know have a point of contact that'll kind of run the show up there for us, like such that he can he can get fellas together for a training session, you know, and then and then kind of, you know, we, we keep we have a kind of a Viking Girls committee group on WhatsApp and we keep in touch almost daily. Those fellas kind of, you know, um recruiting wherever they're up their base. Like so we, we try to kind of just keep in touch as regularly as possible. Um especially in the build up to a tournament like that. We try to just see who we have, are they backs, are they forwards, you know, where they're comfortable playing. Um but really and truly, when it comes to the day, like you just, you know, you kind of, you just chat the lads, you get to know them, and uh, yeah, you kind of put your best foot forward in as regards picking your starting team and rolling your subs in, like so. Like coming from, I was just looking at numbers wise, we've we've participated in every round of the hurling this year. I think Desi Desi went to the first round as one Viking Gale. Myself and Paddy went to round two in in Brussels as two Viking Gales. We had nine in Dresden and we had sixteen yesterday. So it's it's kind of exponential growth we're experiencing at the minute, which is fantastic.
Brilliant. Um, and and I hope the people who are listening to this now in Sweden, because I know there's hurlers here. I've seen fellas in Stockholm right. turning up to support the Camogues and that kind of thing. And I'm really hoping that, Jesus, wouldn't it be great if we could be like Belgium and we're sending two teams where you have, you know, two Viking Gales teams uh, turning out for these things, you know? Um, I wanted yeah. to ask you as well, Brendan, you mentioned there that you played yesterday in the cup competition, right? Are yes. there different competitions for different levels? And do you get to choose which level you go in at? Uh, there is different different uh, levels. So your typical tournament would have a cup, um, a shield, and a plate, or a plate and a shield. I can't remember which way it is now, but depending on, on uh, you know entries, if you have enough uh, numbers, obviously uh, they'll have three competitions, three tiers. Um, um, and I think it, it's done based on rankings. So I think coming into yesterday, we were sitting in sixth in the table. I think in the, you know in the European uh, Championship. And I think the top, you know, they made they made uh, two groups of three in from the top six, basically. So it's kind of seeded, if you get me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually what they're trying to do as well, I think, is uh, so say your Shield winners are your, your your second division winners, like our, you know, table toppers. They sometimes try to give them, uh, give them a chance to, you know, play in a semi-final in the cup. So they kind of, uh, you know, they'd sacrifice maybe one of the, the four semi-finalists in the cup competition to give the lads blow a chance, uh, you know, rattle off the, the, the cup teams, which is, I think it's a good thing to be doing, to be fair, you know. Mm. Well, it's interesting, you know, that idea of instant promotion as well, because like, you yeah. know, you get a good challenge, you'll, you'll find your, your level on the day. Uh, Michelle, is it the same thing on the women's side for the Camogie, because they're kind of two separate organisations, or does everybody just get thrown in together? Because as you say, if that happens then, you could meet a Belgium A-team, girls that we've been playing, you know, playing together for, for 10 years. Were, were you just thrown right into the mix there in one big competition? Yeah, so there were five teams in total, like taking the the total number of Camogie players that had registered to go from their different clubs. Um, and I have to say, like it was such a proud moment that we were the second biggest team there, um, and by far the newest. And and I only found out last weekend from uh, uh, the Loaf of Bread podcast. Jason uh, did his due diligence and found out that we were very much the newest Camogie team in the world. Um, and then I was speaking to one of the Camogie officers uh, who's based in Vienna, Axelina, who said that uh, there's also a possibility that we're the second largest panel in Europe because we've got 19. And I kind of thought, well, how the fuck did that happen? <laughs> um, so, the power uh, of Instagram, so girl. <laughs> this is it. This is it. You know, and the social side, we've talked about it many a time on, on two podcasts previously that, you know, we're very much a community kind of led Camogie uh, uh, team. But um, no, so for yesterday we had... Um, it was, I think, between 11 and 12 per panel. We brought 10 players. So there were two additional players that joined us um, for the first two matches, both from Belgium, and then the same with the second two matches, uh, two different girls from Belgium. So it was Kay, Emma, uh, Virginie and Lily um, who jumped in with us. So it was great because we had subs then as well because there, there were nine on the pitch. So if we had been lining out as 10 players, you know, we'd be absolutely wrecked. It was tough going. I believe uh, Miss Tara O'Neill from uh, Cross McGlen there just over the border. I saw her with the goalkeeper's jersey on yesterday. I did get a text from her saying that she felt like she was facing a firing squad. How did she get on and go? Oh, my God. I'm telling you what, I went in briefly for about two minutes. And, you know, I, I don't care if she was, you know, missing a limb. She was going back in. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was terrifying. Oh, my God. And again, like this is it. We're playing really, really strong teams. You know, many of these players have been playing their whole lives, moved abroad and just continued play as opposed to either, you know, the three on our team that played in childhood and then the rest who've never played. So, you know, it, it was very different experience levels on the pitch, we'll say. Um, so the other team could easily, you know, get past us and take a shot at goal. 
But could they easily score the goal? No, they absolutely could not. She blocked some absolute wallopers coming towards her. And there is a slitter-shaped uh, bruise on her inner thigh. And you can practically read the letters of O'Neill's on the side of her leg. <laughs> she just blocked everything. And if it wasn't for her, I would say the scores on each of those games would have been double what they were. Um, now, what they actually worked out as, I'm still not going to tell you, but they would have been double. Well, look, at this is the thing that I think it goes back to the great Northern Irish soccer player, Danny Blanchflower, and talking about, you know, winning and losing and that kind of thing. And none of that matters. You know, none of that matters at all. It's going out there and being the best version of yourself. You know, now I know, you know, Brendan hasn't told us who won the final yet. But again, I, I, I think I said on Friday night, win or learn, because like this is we can't be going out there and expecting you girls to, to bring us home trophies. That, and that's not what it's there for either. I couldn't care less if you never win a game. But as long as that spirit that you have is there and that's so obvious from your social media accounts is there that's a victory Bren let us get on to the subject of that final there you left us with a cliffhanger you won the semi-final and you made it into the final now what tends to happen for those of you who haven't you know put your bodies on the line these tournaments before you get stiffer as the day goes on you get tired people find out about you they see who your key players are how did the final go for you? Yeah, so after a hard battle in the first three games, like the bodies were a little bit shook, including my own and a few others there. There was a couple of uh, niggles and knocks and things like that. Um, the stop-start nature of the tournaments, you know, definitely takes its toll on bodies, especially when on the wrong side of 30, like myself. I think our average age is fairly old compared to other teams too, but maybe that's experience. But uh, yeah, coming into that final, uh, it was Belgium's A team again we met in the final, having played them in the group stage. So they came around the other, the other side uh, to make it to the final. Um yeah, I think we, we were confident going into the final, but uh, kind of uh, a little bit cautious of them too because when we played Belgium earlier in the day, uh, they had just gotten off the bus kind of thing. They just drove up. It was our first game. It was a kind of a, you know, we, we just played a game, so we were kind of going well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it started. I think we were nervous at the start and it was it was a kind of a cautious and edgy first half. Uh, I think half time came and it was only six points to three. We were up three points basically coming into half time. Um, having shot a lot of wides, did a lot of wides too, so it was very kind of um, tit for tat, you could say. Um, I think then we kind of just regrouped at half time. We kind of settled ourselves a little bit. Uh, we tacked on a couple of scores in and kind of stretched our legs a little bit. Um, coming down the line, then unfortunately we hadn't conceded goals all day. Uh, they got in for a couple of good goals. I have to say they worked them very well. Um, they they scored two goals kind of consecutively there. So. Um, and they kind of had us on the rack. Uh, and that, uh, I think at one point, they had it back to three points uh, coming down into the last two minutes of the game. Um, and then Keith Commons won a free for us. Uh, we threw it over the bear. Uh, then they went down and got a goal. And I thought, there's 30 seconds in it, or less even. Uh, and Paddy Cook poked out the ball as long as, he, long as he could. And the rep blew it up. So we won that final by a point, basically. Unbelievable, Brendan. Unbelievable. <laughs> Hanging on by your fingernails at the very end, you know, with father time there undefeated in the corner going, come on, lads. But yesterday was your day, so you walked away as tournament winners. We did. We did, and we're absolutely delighted with it. Like, we came down hoping, having got so close in Dresden, I think we came down with good hope this time, you know, not knowing much about who's going to be there. Uh, we hadn't played Amsterdam before, things like that, but uh, in fairness, now yesterday, the, f the 14, 15 lads we had gave it absolutely everything from 1 to, to 15, like so... Um, the rolling subs and, and, and the panel and the strength we had in, in the numbers really, really stood to us like when it came to that final, you know. 
Yeah. And do you feel now that, like, you know, the, the Viking Gales, I think a few years ago, maybe five or six years ago, with the great Declan Graham and Owen Sheedy and John Carroll and a few others, uh, they, they won a, a Shield tournament. But because of the sort of the transient nature of the population here, right? Because, you know, you might get a job, you might meet somebody or whatever to move to Shanghai, you know, it, so it's, it can be difficult to keep it going. Do you feel that, that the Viking Gales as a hurling club now has a target on its back? Because it's now an official club, it's registered with Crow Park, it exists as bank accounts, as a beautiful kit does all these things do you feel now that you're you could call yourself one of the top teams in europe now going forward i i think so and i, and I just echo that i think uh yeah got affiliated this year which took a lot of effort from you know I, i'm going to mention too many names to mention really but the, the committee the lads they know who they are uh, put a lot of effort into that it was fantastic to get affiliated uh and on on kind of um you know uh chatting to the lads from belgium and and uh, you know the regulars at these tournaments like so you know, as I understand it, Luxembourg, Belgium, um, Amsterdam have been dominating for the last while. Uh, and I kind of said, you know, what, what's what's it like when we come down? You know, how, you know, how do you feel about us coming down and playing these things? And it, they said it's absolutely fantastic because it's just a change of dynamic. It's another team they have to consider. You know, um, we, we love coming down, but I'm sure they enjoy us coming down too. Um, you know, just, just to shake things up a little bit. And uh, as I said yesterday, when, after, the, after we got the, the cup and things, I said the Vikings are back and we're going over. Brilliant. I can't wait to say. Is there another tournament this year, Brian? Is there? There's there's a there's a 15s competition in Maastricht at the end of this month. Uh no, we must circle the wagons this morning and this week and see how we're fixed. Um 15s might be a stretch for us. You need 2022 20, really to rattle that, I reckon. But uh we won't rule it out just yet. Uh but I think that's the last the last round of the year. And I think the winners of that 15s competition goes on and represents uh Europe in the Leinster Junior Hurling Championship. That's right, yeah. So that's, yeah, it's yeah, a great, yeah. uh, it's a great opportunity. Maastricht is actually the only full size fifteen aside pitch in all of Europe. The great Tony Bass was behind Tony, getting the local right. municipality. I have no idea how he managed to do it, but that'll just give you an idea of his diplomatic skills. Michelle, <laughs> your what's your motivation like now this morning? What's the motivation like within the group? Have any of them surfaced yet this morning? No. Uh, I think I'm I'm the first out of bed, but I saw some eyes opening when I was uh, leaving the room to join this podcast. Um. <laughs> So it was funny because before we came here, uh, I kind of put out the feelers and said, right, there's two tournaments that we can reasonably make because Dresden was on at the beginning of July. And I thought, we're just not going to be ready. We're too new. We didn't actually have our hurlies yet. <laughs> we were using some that I you could compete without some. them in fairness. <laughs> this is it. You had lent us some and so had others, but you can't play with the metal bar, of course, on the bottom. And they just wouldn't, weren't really fit for purpose for, you know, proper match play. Right. So. Uh, so anyway, I said, there's two tournaments. There's the Hague, there's Maastricht. These are the dates. You know, what are we thinking? And we managed to rally 10 for the Hague. And initially people were kind of saying, yeah, I'll, I'll go to the Hague. I'm not really sure about Maastricht, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know if I've, you know, plans that weekend or whatever. And I was around yesterday, and you know, kind of milling around and you're hearing conversations here and there. And people were saying, oh, and you coming to Maastricht? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're definitely going to Maastricht. And I thought a couple of the maybes that are here turned into a yes, very sharpish. So, um. I, I'm looking forward to, I suppose, getting back to Stockholm and going to training and, you know, applying everything that we've learned that now makes a lot of sense. And I, I, you know, I feel it's going to be so much easier to explain why when the ball's coming towards you, you can't stop it and then roll lift it because you lose that time. And in that time, the other player is going to get in on top of you and have to just trust yourself and get it straight from the grass to the hurley and into your hand. And we saw that on the lads team. We watched uh, the Viking Gales for their final. We saw how quickly, you know, the ball is rolling and suddenly it's in their hand. Right. And they're going straight up and they're just using the hurley to just kind of rise it into the air. And that's it, mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of stopping and, you know, 
trying to overly control the ball. So applying all of those skills and then for the next couple of weeks, you know, getting better and better and uh, hopefully that showing on the scoreboard again in Maastricht, whether it's one point and one goal, whatever it might be. But uh, yeah, can't wait. And um, what was the reaction among the girls? Like some of the, ba- the greatest trips that I've ever had, and it only might be 40 minutes on a commuter train, were on the way to or from those tournaments where you go over everything. Because the girls in your team are very, they're 10 very different characters that traveled, right? Very different levels of experience coming from different places in their lives and that kind of thing. Were they all, you know, sort of generally positive? Was there anybody going, I'm fucking never doing that again? How, how were the reactions among them? That was something I was nervous about, to be honest with you. I thought, you know, if this doesn't go well and if spirits are low and as much as, you know, I myself might also start to, you know, beat myself up if I don't feel I'm playing my best or, you know, if, I, if I'm not scoring or I'm, like uh, Brendan was saying there, if I send a few of them wide. Um, but no, honestly, it was just everybody was so encouraging and supportive. And we just kept it top of mind that this is our first ever game against Komogi players. So it's really our first ever official Komogi game. Um, and to do four matches then back to back is, you know, obviously an unusual scenario. But uh, no, we just kept it front of mind. We stayed positive. Um, uh, and, you know, to see women that have never played before and the, the performance that they put out there. Like another thing I'll say that another team told us is we didn't make it easy for them. They might have won and they might have gotten scores on us and we might have made mistakes that experience you know would have kind of prevented but we're lacking the time that they've had um but they even said it like we hassled we had uh and i said uh, the biggest compliment she got when she was leaving and she's a french woman who's played rugby right so not from ireland you know hadn't played camogie and she said uh i was michelle i was told i was the n- most annoying player that two of the team uh two of the teams four was had to, had to mark and I was like, fair play, right? And I told that, that that same thing to Laura Mina. I just said, be a wasp, you know, just rattle them. Um, you had Sarah Galligan who defended like a, an absolute animal. Oh my God, she was unbelievable. And then Emma Finney, who just couldn't stop playing the ball down the wing, which is exactly what we wanted her to do. They were just, it was just fantastic. And like you said, it was a complete mixed bag of players. Um, and I suppose one other one is Julie, who has now unfortunately adopted the nickname of uh, Can Goblin. Um, but, uh, you know, she grew up in Tyrone and uh, learning Irish wasn't available to her in her youth. Uh, playing, you know, GAA wasn't available to her. And last night sitting in the bar, I could have burst with pride. Uh, she turned around to somebody and said, on will to a goal. And they said, like, yeah, like, like can't fall. And, you know, she basically that woman in the space of a couple of months and from meeting us has gone from not speaking a lick of Irish and never playing any Gaelic games to playing four full matches of Camogie with many more to come uh, and speaking a, a few fuck-a-la-squailga in the bar that night. And I, I just, I could have burst. It's tremendous. It really is. And to see you all coming together and pulling for one another, it's fantastic. Brendan, I have one little technical or tactical question I want to ask you, right? Um, we found playing Gaelic football in Europe that you're better to take your scores from in close. Hurling is a sport where you can, I mean, I think one of the lads was playing in goal last week and Yavla almost scored from his own box kind of thing. How do you find scoring working? And I'm like, the reason I'm asking you this is because maybe there's something that Michelle and her girls can use in the future. Do you want to take the certain score from 10, 12, 15 metres? or were you lads confident enough to be taking it from 30, 40, 50 metres? Uh, definitely looked at the pitch size for nines is, uh, you know, a soccer pitch, rugby rugby pitch size. Um, and you're right, it was Paddy Cook that was in goals the last day in Yabla, and Paddy was in goals for us yesterday too. Quite easily, uh, he could hit a point from his puck out, no problem at all. He's that, that kind of range. But uh, our game yesterday and all day yesterday was to 
uh, find a man in a bit of space, you know, running from half back forward and try and slot it over the bear on the move from, yeah, you, you know, 40, 50 yards out kind of thing. Uh, we're lucky in that we have plenty of lads out there that can shoot off both sides. We've lads from Limerick and Cork and places like that. Just good, good hurdles. And we, we know we have the range. So I think a lot of our, our, um, our wins yesterday were uh, from taking our, our scores out the field. I think we only scored one goal in the whole day, but we scored loads of points. And that really kind of, that was our game all day, you know, just good, accurate shooting uh, and taking the right decisions, I suppose, you know, getting, finding the man in space and things like that. Um, when it comes to these tournaments, like for, for we said, like Michelle and, and the girls in Stockholm, definitely, uh, you know, your, your range shooting will really stand you. If you can find someone in space in 30, 40 yards and, and really ping a ball over the bear, you know, that could be the making of a, of a win or last few there easily straight away. Mm. It makes other teams respect you as well because they have to come out that 30 or 40 yards to mark you and that usually leaves space in a bit closer for, for exactly. a full forward or that kind of thing. So these will be things that we'll be working on now in Hogger Park and in the various parks of Stockholm as we go around, you know. It was gas to see actually, Brendan, the girls were down in a park called Tanto here on the, on the south side yeah. of the city, you know. And there's all these people sitting around drinking rosé wine and these mad women in the middle of them with sticks and balls <laughs> and the whole lot, you know. And um, What yeah. do you need, Brendan, um, for, you know, if you're going to Maastricht to play 15s, so obviously we have to dig up some other players do you just need bodies who can hold a hurl and get in a fella's way you know not necessarily hurlers themselves but people who can stop other people from playing hurling for 5 or 10 or 15 minutes in a game what do you need from us now you know to make sure the Viking Gales can go down there and really compete in Maastricht so uh, you, you said it there so uh, not even that we, we just need uh, anyone at all that's willing to put on a Viking shirt everyone is welcome with us uh, you know we, we'll our, our goal and our mission is just to, to spread the good word of hurling right across Scandinavia as best as we can and uh, you know we've opened arms everyone is welcome anyone at all you know uh, experienced non-experienced it doesn't matter to us we, we're uh, we're ready for anyone to come play with us and uh, like I said we're placing guys in like of Oslo and you know in Yavla and hopefully now Stockholm too if we can get uh, you know a point of contact and, and, and really get the the big cities moving you know um, for Maastricht yes I think <laughs> I think what we need to do today is just nurse the, the broken bodies today, you know, really. <laughs> Get ice on, on the hamstrings and stuff like that. And uh, maybe just regroup next week in Copenhagen and see what we have, really, you know. Uh, or maybe at the end of the coming week, just to see... Um, but uh, it would be fantastic to get down there, really. And uh, I mean, yeah, uh, if, if, if there's anyone listening to this, uh, and maybe Philip, you could share our details after, but please reach, reach out to us, you know. We're, we're, we're uh, more than willing to, to you know, bring on anyone that'll, that'll hurt, really. Uh, I want to have a cut off it. We, we gladly take him. Well, you've been inspirational now in the ways as you sort of reviewed the whole uh, process yesterday. Michelle, I'm going to put the same question to you. Yesterday, I think, is probably, you know, the one day. That you probably learned more yesterday than all the other days that you train put together. But what do you need from us as a community? Do you need me to help you? Do you need people coming out of woodwork? Do you need money? Do you need helmets? Do you need sticks? Do you need, you know, Instagram follow? What, what do you want from us, Pat? Do you know, last time you asked me this as well, and I said, you know, we just need support. We need to know that we've got a bit of a safety net there for when the egos get bruised and we line out. And, and it's, you know, it's not just a little bit of a of a, an emotional toll when you're, you know, losing and being scored against. Um, you know, but it's also scary, right, for, for people who haven't played before. Now, I played when I was younger and I've got, you know, the dents on my shins to prove it. So I maybe have slightly less fear than some of the women who've never played um so it's yeah it's you know it can it can get you emotionally it can be scary and I just said you know just just make sure that you let us know that we've got a little bit of a community of support behind us you know and even if that's like in the Instagram posts or from, you know dropping a comment and it happened right and even your your post uh when we arrived in um Amsterdam there on Friday night we watched your post together and it was just lovely to hear that you know you know they know we're here and they're 
behind us and they're supporting us and just more of that. Um, I said to Paddy on the Viking Gales yesterday that, uh, you know, on Tuesday now when we go to training, we're going to know a lot more about what to apply. And they said, you're going straight to training on Tuesday, but you only arrive in uh, Sunday night. And I said, yeah, yeah. And they said, well, Jesus, if Brendan was getting us to training now on Tuesday, there'd be war. I said, I have a feeling your trainings are slightly different to ours. Um, so just more of what we're getting, you know, when we're when we're heading off to Maastricht, we'll be all over social media again and just, you know, giving it a like, giving it a comment does the world a good. Yeah, the post that I made and I sent uh, to the girls at the Camogie game uh, at the, uh, in the Stockholm Camogues the other night was to do with the fact that in 2010, we actually played our first uh, Gaelic football tournament at Stockholm Gales down in Copenhagen. And I come from uh, St. Vincent's Club in, in Dublin. Ours was always a dual club. My father's a great lover of, of Dublin hurling and the poor man has himself played going watching the Dublin hurlers for more or less his entire life. But it's one of those things that he passed on to me. And to see the pair of you and your teams, you know, and in Michelle's case, it's the first time the women have been doing it. In Brendan's case, the lads are carrying on a tradition started by the likes of Owen Sheehy and John and and uh, and Declan and these lads that went before. And I, I, I honestly cannot put words on how proud I am not just to the Viking Gales lads for winning yesterday but for your girls Michelle to go out there and to do that because I know exactly what that is like that fear of going out there this is the most physical sport that you can get into and there's nowhere to hide you know the only protection you have is the pair of shorts the helmet and the hurl in your hand and the shirt that you have on you and you you could just be so proud of everything that both teams have achieved this weekend and you know what it is only the beginning because I think everybody listening to this is going to be listening to this and they might be helpful as like me or L ones like you know they're sitting somewhere but by Jesus I think you have absolutely everybody in the region behind you and that's how it should be and uh, I'll see you all down in Maastricht because by hook or by crook if either of you are playing down there if the Viking Gales and the Stockholm Camogues are, are playing down there I go to be down there in the sideline but for now thank you so much for taking time out of your hangover to talk to us here on the Irish and Sweden podcast and have a very safe trip home my friends thanks very much Philip thanks Michelle thanks Bill Brendy I'll see you at brunch <laughs> yeah, we'll see you in a while <laughs> Take it easy. Good yeah. luck. Wasn't that just amazing altogether, getting the low down on the tournament down there in The Hague from Brendan and from Michelle. And if this sounds a little bit different, uh, it's because I'm inspired, lads. I am outside the Tele2 Arena and uh, it's half time in the Stockholm Derby as I'm talking to you here now. And just talking to Michelle and Brendan there kind of brings it home to you what's important about sport. I've just been at the Derby there, 30 odd thousand people and it's half time. And I've had enough of it. And uh, just up the road is uh, the Stockholm Gales are taking on another team in Corpen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go there instead. Uh, and I'm going to support the boys and chat with them and see what they're up to as well. And I think that after listening to Brendan and listening to Michelle Day, that's something we all need to be doing uh, for our various different sports clubs. It doesn't matter if the closest thing to you is rugby or hurling or camogie or football. We all really need to get out there and do something, right? You don't have to play. You don't have to be a part of a committee. You don't have to do anything like that, right? Fill the flask with tea, put on a pot of coffee, fill the flask with that, bring the kids down, bring the ball down, bring the dog down, keep the dog on a leash for the love of God because otherwise it'd be chaos and get down there and get out there and support them 
follow the different clubs and the different teams on Instagram uh, it, it takes no no time whatsoever to like a story or to like a post on Facebook or to tweet somebody or to do something on LinkedIn or something like that right but by doing that as you heard from Michelle it's so important that we see each other and that we celebrate each other's achievements right and that doesn't matter whether it be in business or it be in sport or it be in the arts or anywhere else and uh, that's something that I'm going to be talking a little bit more about now uh, as the autumn and the winter comes in because I believe that there's an absolutely huge possibility there not just for us as a community but also for uh, the Swedish community around us to involve people more and to, to bring them in to the sense of community that we have so that's what I'm going to do now I am going to start up my little car if I can get my keys out of my pocket I was training yesterday morning and I hurt my old shoulder so um, I'm struggling just a little bit on the physical front but um yeah, so that's it for this week. But as I say, there will be a conversation out during the uh, the winter about how best to move this forward. Uh, I'll try to involve the embassy and I'll try to involve the various state agencies and whoever. And I might try to involve you if you want to get involved in it because I do think that's one of those things. Uh, when you see other communities, we played a soccer game against a team of Georgian lads, I think, and Jesus, there must have been about 60 people out there on a summer's evening there back in June and uh, and supporting their, their team. So let's try and do as many things like that as possible. And it doesn't matter, as I say, if there's only one or two years living down in Carlstad like with Dave Hanley and the rugby there let's get around and support one another right that is it for this week the car is starting Uh, look after yourselves look after one another and I'll be back again with another episode of the Irish and Sweden podcast next Monday morning good luck